Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Earwolf announcement. Starting this Saturday, March 31st, archives, episodes older than six months of this show, James Bonding, will be available exclusively to Stitcher Premium subscribers. Yes, this means starting March 31st. If you want to hear older episodes of our show, all you have to do is subscribe to Stitcher Premium. But we wanted to give you final warning so you can take any actions necessary to hear all the episodes before they go to Stitcher Premium. Like if you want to download them all before free before then, who are we to stop you? No one. We're no one stopping you. We're here to tell you to do it. Even. Please just do it, everybody. Subscribing to Stitcher Premium is a great way to directly support our show. Plus, you can get access to hundreds of exclusive series like Hollywood Handbook, the Pro Version, Comedy Bang Bang Tour shows, Throwing Shades, Deeper Shade of Shade, and more, including the potential James Bond commentaries that we're supposed to do by the time this contract is up. Yes, and we will be doing them. That's right. Hopefully pretty soon. <laughs> so, do whatever you need to do, whether it's downloading all of our episodes and filling up your hard drive, or just subscribing to Stitcher Premium for four ninety nine a month, or just thirty four ninety nine for the entire year. And it is very important that all of you out there, if you're going to do this, please use our promo code BOND at stitcher.com forward slash premium for a one month free trial. That's stitcher.com slash premium and code BOND. And for more information on all the shows affected by the large-scale archiving, head over to Earwolf.com. The Great Culling. Matt and Matt, Matt and Matt, James Bond and Podcast. This is uh, James Bonding on a lovely overcast afternoon. Yeah. I'm Matt. I'm also Matt. And we're here with another M. A returning favorite, Maurice LaMarche. M. 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 L. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. M. G. M. 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 L. We're finally making good on our promise to cover some of the non-canon Bond films, starting with the uh, most infamous of them all. Couldn't get much more non-canon. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Casino Royale. But ironically, there were a couple of canons in this movie. There were. Yeah. Actual, literal canons. Yeah. And... Actors from the canon. That's true. It's the 1967 Casino Royale by no less than four directors. Oh. That's beginning to make more sense. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you? Here's what I did. I have so ignored this. Houston took a slot. (laughs) I've ignored this movie for its entire existence. Why do you think you've never watched it? Uh, I just, (laughs) I was just like. Annoyed by its existence, I was like, "Why? Why? It's why does this movie exist?" And um, I, ne- I had never watched it until 
this morning. Wow. Well, and, and Maurice, Were this is to... really how you came to us it's saying, true. I want to do this one when it comes up. So what's your history with this film? My history was that, uh, and it's funny, I, I actually this morning double checked. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned on the last podcast, I grew up with the Myers brothers, mm-hmm. uh, at least spent a little bit of time in, in, in grade school with uh, Peter Myers and Paul Myers uh, was two years behind and was my brother Paul's best friend. And then little Mike, was in like the second grade. So, but the three Myers brothers are pretty inseparable, and they lived at one building away from where my my dad lived. So we would hang out a lot, and we had a thing for Flint movies, mm-hmm. and and but this movie especially was very up for us. And I I checked with Peter and and Paul uh, on on uh, on uh, Messenger, and we watched it together. We had watched it together. We don't know if Mike was there. <laughs> this the film was very very big for them, and they must have watched it dozens of times because the influence of this movie is all yeah. over Austin yeah. Powers. It's crazy how similar it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, Austin Powers becomes a spoof of a spoof, right? You know, at this point. But um, we, we we talked to we talked at length about uh, that this was um, for 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 a lot of us the the real introduction to Bond. I I. I had thought I'd seen it uh, in theaters, but I remembered since I was last on, I saw a trailer for it. Because when I downloaded the film to watch yeah. it again, I saw the trailer. I went, that's what I saw. <laughs> I didn't see the whole movie. I didn't watch the whole movie till that afternoon with the with, <laughs> with the Myers boys and a bunch of other guys from, from our sixth grade class. And um, so my father had had <laughs> the Playboy that had the, the uh, pictorial of this. And I remember getting particularly, you know, doing a double take at the at the picture of Woody Allen leering over over Dahlia Levy, yeah, strapped tastefully nude to the, the, the table in his <laughs> covered only by metal covered bands. only by little band metal bands. And I I, I I remember this was when I cemented in my my uh, my evil lair fetish <laughs> as well as my tasteful <laughs> nude fetish. And the line that that Woody has when he, when she goes, "Is this how you treat?" When Dahlia Levy says, "Is this how you treat all the women that you that you that you're attracted to?" Because yes, oh yes, I I undress them and tie them up. I remember asking my father, Dick, I learned." I goes, "I learned that in the Boy Scouts." <laughs> and I remember saying to my dad, "Should I join the Boy Scouts, Dad?" I'm, I'm the right age for the Boy Scouts, right? I actually took him literally. But you're probably better off. Look what happened to Woody Allen. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, the joke of, of course, is that at that point, Dahlia Levy was too old for him. Uh, <laughs> he was, he was but um, so um, we watched the movie, and I just there was so much comedy that I didn't get. There's still some of there. I don't. Yeah. Get, you know. Yeah, I agree. But there was there were some great jokes. The, the you know especially about British society and yeah. and about the decline of the British Empire. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was literally in its last gasp around 1967 or so. And, yeah. and there's so many things in the movie that are, you know, just like the end of Britishness. And and so, but I just loved like the bigness of it. And I remembered the next time it was on TV, because we watched it on something that was called the, uh, Sunday Sunday Afternoon at the Movies, I think it was called. <laughs> and, and the next time it was on, I remembered... Audio taping. We didn't have videotape in those oh, days. I used I mean, to do that the, too. The 1960s. Yeah. So I would listen to the film. 
yeah. because I became fascinated with the voices, especially the sound of Wells' voice and the sound of Woody Allen's voice, but also David Niven. And I got to the point where I could actually quote, you know, lines from yeah. the movie, like, I'm going to have to have that check, Mr. Bond. <laughs> the most exquisite torture is all in the mind. And I would just walk around the house doing things, which I guess this is why I ended up doing what I do for a living. So is this the origin of your Wells impression? This it's the very original film? origin. Now, of course, I was 10 at the time, 10 or 11, so I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have actually had the the, the the bass response in my voice to actually do the voice. So it would have been a falsetto Orson Welles. But I'd always been fascinated with the voices. I, when I was a kid, I used to watch cartoons and I, I didn't, I wanted to know who were those people. Yeah. Who, watching the Warner Brothers cartoon, oh. I had no idea yeah. that it was one guy. It's incredible. For the most part. It was Mel yeah. Blanc and Arthur Q. Bryan as Elmer Fudd. And other than that, it was Mel Blanc. And... But the 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 sounds were what fascinated me as much as Dalia Levy tied up to a to a lab table. But so I just really got into those voices. Can we hear what little ten year old Maurice Lamarche would sound like walking around doing Orson Welles? <laughs> you got to heal him. Going to have to have that check, Mister Bond. <laughs> <laughs> the most exquisite torture is all in the mind. I don't know. It was it was crazy. <gasps> oh God! But this film, I got to say though, upon rewatching it, this is the first time I've watched it in a long time. It's a fucking mess, and I really feel <laughs> I feel bad. It's that really I, something. That I, I know you guys were going to do this film, yeah. Anyway, but I know I also wrote you and pushed and said, "No, you. If you ever do Casino Royale, I want to come in. I want to." <laughs> we've I, been we've been wanting to knock out another movie that wasn't in the canon for a while, and 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 it just so happened that you you were the ace of our sleeve of like, well, Maurice can actually come in and do this on very short notice. Well, we have this great Goldilocks of the of the three versions of this where Maurice you grew up with it. I've seen it a few times just like in my Bond interests, but I'm by no means like seen it as many times as the rest of the Bond films. And Matt, this is your first time. First time. So what was your initial reaction to this thing? My initial reaction I was I was delighted to see Mathis when the you know when it starts yeah. you're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. And then when they go to Sir James Bond's uh, retirement estate. I was oh. delighted. Oh, God. If, if I could lounge in Niven's lounging wear, oh, my God. It, it starts out actually rather very well. promising. Yes. And really I like the plot point of the uh -huh. idea that Bond was uh, an original from World War II and then retired, and that because that was a conceit they wanted to use for uh, Skyfall. Yeah. Was, yeah. That, was that, you know, the, the, the castle or the, the, the ancestral home was a retirement home for the former James Bonds. They thought about that for two seconds. It'd be crazy if they'd gone that full circle, no, along with uh, 007 being a code name, which is also the case for this movie, you know, that right. it's passed on. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I thought I, that sort of showed some promise, the idea of I a liked it. celibate I, Bond. I was into the idea of uh, what would a retired James Bond be like. And quite frankly, I feel like he'd be very much like that. No kidding. Niven is so good. He, and really I, he drives and the Bentley. He was yeah. one of the original, if not the original choice That's right. Fleming had in mind yeah. for the character of Bond. Yeah. Even though he later wrote that he looked like um, uh, 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 Hoagie Carmichael. Yeah, Hoagie like Carmichael. Cheek. Uh, Hoagie Carmichael was about six foot three, rather lanky fellow. But... Um, you know, Niven, Niven would would be who he who he wanted to play it. Niven was fifty seven when he did this picture. Wow, three years younger than what I'm about to turn next week. 
I remember wow. when I was a kid. Happy going, birthday. Thank you. I'll be uh, by the time this airs, I'll have hit my 60th birthday. Oh my yeah. God. Everybody send Marisa. Oh my God. Birthday. I just let it out that I'm 60. You, it's over now. Ageism will kick. You look great. For yeah, so, I honestly it was like, I was, I was just, I literally just thinking when you were talking about watching it in the, in seeing the trailer in 1960. I was like, wait, how old is Maurice? This yeah. is crazy. Um, and then I was like thinking, well, you know, he did all those voices and I was like 12 when that was on. <laughs> I was like, well, he must have been 22 when he did that. And I was like, well, hang on a second. That doesn't work either. No. No, fat don't crack. That's you, the... Uh, that, the uh, well, uh, here I come. For, Matt, for get me a tamale. <laughs> yeah. You got it, buddy. <laughs> Matt has just served us these delicious tamales, by the way, to get our energy up. Pasadena. He goes Pasadena to the Pasadena, the SoPass Farmer's Market, and he picks up these tamales. These that handmade are, tamales. They're incredible. Not today, but tamales. It's hard to... Right. I'm sorry I said that. I really am. Oh, my God. Old Say that as Orson Welles, at least. Not today, but tamale. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I said that. They're they're full of country goodness and green penis. I'm I'm leaving. So. <laughs> That's amazing. I would, I would buy those. If, uh, heard a radio commercial for that. Um, okay, so it starts very promisingly. I like the idea. I I really enjoyed all of the uh, various branch heads driving into that crossroads yeah. together. Yeah, that's a really interesting opening shot. Yes. Yeah, and then I, they all get into one car. Yeah, and the, and the sort of the the bemused irritation of the one chauffeur who has to drive them. Yeah, <laughs> like he I mean, drew the short you, straw. What's the problem, pal? These are like you got Charles Boyer yeah. in your car. I know, I and about. and just give me anything with William Holden. Yes, I will eat it up. God, I love that man. Yeah. He's great. He's great. I love that it was both Charles Boyer and Kurt Kasner. Uh, I'm a bit of a theater freak, and. Kurt Kasner had originated uh, the part um, on uh, in Barefoot in the Park of the, of the crazy guy. Who oh, I didn't upstairs. know that. He oh, originated it on Broadway, and Boye played it in the uh, in the film. And there they are standing together. Wow! Yeah, I'm wow. a theater freak, and I can't remember the name of that character. Such a yeah, great I character. Can't um, George. No, <laughs> George of the Jungle. Um, Sorry, I have that. If if I hear a name or anything like that, I, I oh no, I sort please. of semi Tourette's song titles yeah. and things like that. That's why you're great for podcasting. Oh, That's God, all no. podcasting is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Stream of conscience Tourette's. <laughs> Hands down, my favorite thing about this entire film by a country mile is Hadley. Hadley, that super British guy that helps Niven out. Oh, the, he, he, he was, yeah. Oh, no, God. wait, it was he that. Is he the first one? Is he the very first one with the very uh, uh, perfect hair? And he, 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 as soon as he walks in, this whole film is a British off. Yeah, it really I, is. I remember as this I'm guy watching wins. it going, oh my God, it's like they knew that, that Matt and Matt <laughs> were, He's you know, like a proto... the most British character. You can't pick the most British character in this film. I know. There's well, so many I of them. I would choose him, Is though. this the one that is pointing out the map? Yes, the, he wins. He's incredible, isn't he? He is, what is amazing. What is that guy Although that, that general, that general, when they when when when, when Mata Bond is in the, uh, we're, we're jumping around. Yeah, yeah. But when she's, you know, when at she's the at the art auction, he goes, "Hey, Leo Brunilla, for dinner." broken out. There's a sort of wars broken out. <laughs> he's pretty friggin' British too. Um, this Hadley guy though is kind of like a proto Mister um, Bean. That auction scene. Yes. Uh, I found delightfully funny. Like, we will stand when we're bidding. We'll sit when we're bidding. And the British are like, we'll do both. Yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, that was, true. That was that yeah, like one that other moment so that really British. worked for me. That, by the way, that actor's name was Richard Wattis, the British Army officer. Oh, 
Derek Nimmo is Hadley. Oh my goodness. Um, what else was he in? Just uh, only British movies. And the army, the but with the armory scene, with the with their with version their of Q. M or their version of Q, and uh, and then the the, the tailor, yeah, you know, oh who boy. outfits him. Also extraordinarily British. I just, yeah, I, I, the tailor. I was like, in my mind, I was just like, oh, was this just hilarious to people then? Like the idea well, of, a, of an effeminate sp- tailor. It, it wasn't spoken of. I know. I mean, so, you know. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Peter Sellers peeking out going, hello, sailor. Yeah. Was that, that was like risque comedy. Ooh, he's poking fun. Uh, at the, at the homosexuals. Peter Sellers was, uh, he was great. I really enjoyed him just screen presence wise. I yes. was like, oh, Peter Sellers is. Well, his involvement in the picture, it's, it's, it's somewhat legendary that he really didn't want to be there. And walked off before his scenes were done, uh-huh. which is why the film is such a friggin' mess. Huh. Um, he left before they could really wrap up his character, and that's why they wrote in the that Ursula Andrews for no reason at all shoots him. Uh, wow. It wasn't supposed to end that way, and he and Wells apparently couldn't stand each that, other. That tracks. There's really, only one. One shot of the two of them in the same, th- and everything else is one shots, and they apparently filmed on different days for the rest of it. They just, they just two very yeah. big personalities. Yeah, yeah. wow, that is crazy. Wow. I, I, I'm fascinated to like read more about the making of this movie, and 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 I what, would almost want to see a documentary about do. the making. Of I this would, film. It would almost rather. be as interesting as the Lazenby documentary. Yeah, I agree. I would rather see that. I, wh- what was the thinking of four directors? Just like let's do this collaboration piece, and that'll be part of the fun of it all. Or? I have no idea. That yeah. part, I'm not. I think to. all of the stuff with David Niven works. Houston, I think. Yeah, I think the only way Houston would do it, and they wanted Houston. Was he'd say, I have to I have to be able to direct the sequence, you know. Direct so, the sequence. Good spy is a pure spy, so, you know. It was great up until his wig flies off. Yeah, and then I went, oh, we're in okay. trouble. We're, yeah. yeah. Well, right. yes, until his wig flies. But off. I mean, I could see if I was watching the film for the first time as you were this yeah. morning, Myra, that you might think, well, this isn't so bad. And then there's M signal, and then. Shoo, were you clear on what was happening? No. Like, yeah, because the it's not clear that they die or well, it's, well apparently it Hold, Holden's clear. character lives. Yeah, I know. ransom. It becomes clear when he's delivering the toupee to M. Yeah, I know it becomes clear plan. then, but yeah, it's, yeah, and also like I'm like, who's firing the mortar shell? I thought that there. I here's what I thought was happening when I was watching it. I thought that when he lit the cigar, that's the signal to fire the mortar. And then I thought their whole plan was we need James Bond back. He's right. never going to leave his home. Well, then if he won't come back willingly, we'll destroy his home. So he has to come back. That was the plan, right? That seemed like so. the plan. And yet he wasn't, I don't think M was planning to get no. killed. And yet that was not the plan. So no. The plan went a little bit askew. And yet there was Smirsh. <laughs> I mean, what happened to M's actual widow? We assume she was eliminated. I don't know. But there's Deborah Kerr yeah. there as in person. And you'd think that. David Niven Bond would have met Mrs. McTarry at some point, yeah. but there she Unless is. she was there to be a double, you know, because there's so many doubles well, in the movie. That's true. The, the doubling is a very big part of this film. But uh, that, that to me is when it sort of starts to fall apart. Like, I'm confused by the very, very beginning of the movie. 
with Mathis. That threw me too because they it's it's like if you cut from that to about a minute for about an hour forty into the film, then it makes sense. It makes sense because the next thing that's the shot before Mathis and Peter Sellers Bond get into the car. Yeah, I don't even remember what is yeah. the Mathis thing in the beginning. Uh, it goes uh, James Bond. I was like, I'm um, with Ma- Mathis with the special police. Follow me. What is that structure they're in with the graffiti, all that circular... The graffiti that says Lith Beatles? <laughs> yeah, Les Beatles and all that. Uh, it's, it's a circular aluminum band around a pillar. Is that a, like a public men's room? Or what the hell is that? I, yeah, I, why am I... I've never seen anything it's like the that. Very, it's the first shot of the movie, right? It's the very first yeah. shot. The film starts after the MGM lion. Uh, Mathis is there. Mr. Bond... I was getting excited. I was like, "Oh, are they gonna? Are, are we? Is this literally a retelling of of Casino Royale that has some humor in it?" Yeah, but it is not. It's a but manic. It was a, originally going to be that, and then what was the reason? There was a reason that it changed, and I forget what it is. Uh, Charles K. Feldman only does comedies. Might have been part of the reason. I'm not sure. I mean, he brought Woody Allen on board. That the the other thing I laughed at, or or found funny i didn't actually laugh out loud i was like oh that's cute was him escaping the firing squad and then yeah jumping the wall that's right. a good the gag. other side that's of the that's firing. a really good gag. pure woody allen that's uh, he wrote everything he was in that was part of his deal he had to write <laughs> all he? of his own yeah that, right. that i've picked up on the internet over the years um okay over the last year because i've only had the internet for a year because i'm old no um but yeah that's something that uh, that's why all of his stuff works because he had almost an auteur like uh, uh yeah you know, i mean it do, they don't presence but there. they don't they it's so hard to describe the okay so there's someone is there so it's not it, even is it, is are it, you trying to figure out the plot? no 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 oh. I'm, uh, it's for the director situation someone's yeah. directing the david niven stuff right someone's yeah. directing the peter sellers stuff mm-hmm. right someone's directing the woody allen stuff what's the fourth thing i i don't know that Some... weird psychedelic stuff that they're all involved in yeah. those hideouts and that yeah that thing that takes place in east berlin yeah with mata bond i liked that that was a huge production number and it did have a great look to it but i just I felt it kind of stopped the film for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And the film's got some very incesty, rapey. Oh, the best God. Visual. Yeah, the bathtub scene the where, du- where really? Ruby, by the way, Ruby from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Angela Schular, uh-huh. is in the bathtub waiting for David Niven saying, I used to do this to my daddy. Like, wow. but not even like when I was a kid. But like, listen, that's that's the same actress who plays Ruby. Yes. Eleven, She's, they're adopted. See, I was congratulating myself because I because because the art auctioneer was the same <laughs> uh, uh, from Russia with Love. Yeah, uh, what's his oh, name? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Vladek. Uh, yeah, Shibol. the chess champion. Like, I got I got two of them. Yeah, yeah Ursula Andress and Vladek. Yeah, but no, that's that's Ruby. That's amazing. Vladek Shibol, I think yes. is his name. Yeah. yeah, I love the sort of. The way he just comes out blasting away, but still somewhat elegant. Yeah, still somewhat, he's a great da, 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 poof, 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 character face. Cop yeah. walks right up to him and he's like, oh, yeah. uh, My favorite visual gag in the movie is the Jeep driving from West Berlin to East Berlin and it turned red. Like they had just, they had just swapped the Jeep out when it went behind the wall and they just drove out the red Jeep. I oh, thought God. that was very funny. That's yeah. funny. I didn't even notice that. I think I, this more than any, I really did tune out the longer it went on i was just kind of like it it plods and well having never seen it i was like i can't like n- during a norm 
wow, I can't speak. During a normal James Bond viewing for this podcast, I will often scrub through sweeping establishing shots, which will save you about 25 minutes per James <laughs> Bond movie, honestly. Um, and But this one, I was like, well, I don't know where these scrubbing... I don't know yeah, where to do it, can't. so I have to sit here and enjoy... To the best of my ability, enjoy this I movie. I should love this movie because it's in my favorite era, probably of filmmaking. Yeah, it's got design. It's yeah. it's a period piece. It's it's that kind of fun, freewheeling, strange movie. And I think they have an attempt at some actual absurdist humor, but it just misfires almost every time. And it's I, I'm I'm surprised I don't actually like this movie, but that's really saying something about. What do you the think movie. of the uh, T.J. Brass? No, I don't love it. I normally like the T. Herb Albert situation, yeah. but, but uh, it doesn't fit rest. Bond for me. I don't know but that. Yeah, that to me. I'm, I'm. I preface this by telling you, I'm the world's biggest Burt Bacharach uh, enthusiast. I was as a kid. I worshipped him. I don't know whether it was because my parents split up and I just kind of... You also thought what the world needed well, now well, was back love? Rack, back rack and my father kind of resembled each other. But, oh, oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah, but both had that same hair, that, yeah. that really choppy... Still alive, Bert Backrack. Cho- Bert is yeah. still doing great. I saw his last concert here in town. Wow. And and in fact, to go just to go back to the Myers Brothers, I mean, I, I love them all and love them as kids. And Mike's success... Was I was never jealous of Mike's success, but I was jealous of the fact that he got to work with Burt Bacharach. Yeah, that he and because I was kind of known in my, in 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 my class as being a bit of an oddball because I liked Burt Bacharach uh-huh. and everybody else was into the Beatles uh-huh. and I used to walk around with like a little boombox <laughs> listening to Bacharach songs because I'm a weirdo, and the fact that Mike got to to cast Burt in his movie. And I was like, oh, God, I've always wanted to meet. And I've never met Burt Bacharach, oh, and I probably never will. That's the only shred of jealousy I have toward Mike Myers. You know, um, and, and and Burt's music for this, and I call him Burt because I've never met him, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's exactly the wrong kind of music for a James Bond film. Yeah. But it works for this film. Yeah, I guess. In, the, in, in its absurdity, because it's so fucking cheerful. Here's this cheerful theme as Mata Bond is being kidnapped and you know it's like it's it's so it's so derails you and and takes you somewhere else yeah you know it's almost like i i actually do i don't mind the melody the baccarat stuff as written is pretty good i think it is the tijuana brass that but somehow just don't drive it home for me or something there's a lot of sort of wah wah yeah with that stuff um especially the chase music um However, I'll put Look of Love up against yeah. any Bond love theme. That's a good including, one. Including, you know, All the Time in the World. It's oh, a friggin' wow. great song. Wow. And I can't believe it lost the Oscar to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That year. Wow, because they had to give something to, to the Ian Fleming. Fleming. To the Fleming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fleming was like, we're sorry about this. Right. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out this script by reading a little bit about it right now you mean the problems behind it or what that yeah the problems behind it yeah well one of the problems in front of it is chingling when she says every fifth child born in the world is chinese and she's not even chinese no isn't that weird (laughs) that was so bizarre 
Uh, there was a, another really funny moment that I love when that guy gives himself a karate chop to the head and yes. his comic take on that. They've got some real like, like journeyman comedian. Yes, I mean Rodney Corbett's in, in the movie as that little as yes. as uh, yeah. Mata uh, Hari's little solo. No, was it so? No, I can't remember the name of the little the little guy as Mata. Yeah. Five different directors. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, wow. Helming different segments. Uh, and uh, stunt coordinator Richard Talmadge co-directed the final sequence. In addition to the credited writers, Woody Allen, Peter Sellers, Val Guest, Ben Hetch, Joseph Heller, Terry Southern, and Billy Wilder are all believed to have contributed. Joseph Heller of Catch-22? Catch mm-hmm. Billy Wilder. Wow. That uh, this thing should be better. <laughs> <laughs> really, Val Guest was given the responsibility of splicing various chapters together and was offered a unique coordinating director, but declined, claiming the chaotic plot would not reflect well on him if he were credited. Fair. That was back when people used to have, you know, pride in their name. His well. extra credit was labeled additional sequences instead. This is amazing. It's funny too that ending how how much Blazing Saddles draws on that ending, and I didn't realize that before. Too. Right. Yeah, that, I mean, that is the just... Cha- the sheer chaos. Almost I mean, purely lifted from that. I loved uh, the ridiculousness of the Americans arriving, but it's just cowboys. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then Indians. It's insane. <laughs> it is lit- This movie makes no sense. This movie is, like, less cohesive and coherent than Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. Or Octopussy. By a lot. <laughs> Octopussy, as we all have established here, is beautifully clear. <laughs> There's just some jewel smuggling and a nuclear bomb. What more could you want? This one has a nuclear bomb pill. That's right. And animated atomic burp clouds. Yeah, there's <laughs> tiny mushroom clouds that Woody, Har- Woody uh, Allen uh, burps up. This is crazy. It, well, you know... Can I just I, I can I make a huge stretch here? I mean, Woody Allen, we know from his films. <laughs> what? What did you just? Do? Yeah. It's got to be better than what I was about this, to say. Maybe this say is the both. funniest sentence I've ever read in my life. What? Uh, uh, oh no, where to go? Okay. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang. I'm sorry, I just lost it. Okay. Uh, Wells also insisted on performing magic tricks as Le Chief and the director obliged. Of course, of course, because he had already gotten into his big magic phase and he was on I Love Lucy doing magic. I don't know anything about Orson Welles' magic phase. He has phase. a whole oh documentary God. called After What? For Fake. Oh, this he was is, the, it, was his, yeah. it was his it was his next love in life after yeah. filmmaking because nobody would let him make films. Nobody would give him money. But he, he became quite the magician. I remember, though... He, I saw. I watched this, you know, live on on uh, on TV back in the days the Tonight Show was live. Wells guest hosted once, and he did a very long and protracted mentalist trick with with members of the audience. It was supposed to be this this. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to picture a card. I mean, it's like you know the three hundred people in the studio audience. Yeah. were supposed to all imagine a, a, a card. He was going to make sure that they all said the same card or something. Yeah. Anyway. The the trick went horribly wrong. It didn't pay off at all. There was literally no applause, and he just kind of arched an eyebrow and went, "Well, that didn't quite go the way we wanted it to, but we'll we'll be back after these words." 
<laughs> the aplomb with which he handled it, even though you know the, the flop sweat was running down his face. Oh my god! But it was like he treated it almost as though it was the audience's fault, everybody else's fault yeah. for not for not paying off this I, mentalist thing that he was supposed to. This do. is like this is genuinely. I was d- delighted when this was happening in the film when you show Orson Welles <laughs> and he does a levitation trick on the card table yeah and however it's all not of even a real trick no I mean, it's all camera, camera stuff no yeah. of course so it's, of that's the course. best part but yeah. it just the thought the thought of Lashif, the thought of like real Lashif, yeah also being into magic <laughs> like, imagine at the poker table. Like, 2006 like, Casino yes, Royale. Yes, yes. Maz Mickelson. You know, yes, this thought like, me t- I just, just tickled me. Oh my God. To no end. Like he had an affinity. Like if he asked Casper to s- please lay on the table and then levitated her and then made her disappear. Just you the- should, Mr. Bond, pick a card. <laughs> Mr. Bond. <laughs> right. uh, uh, Mr. Bond, I'm going to make your balls disappear. <laughs> <laughs> That, there's also the element of that too like the chair has no upholstery like that that's sort of like well, that, Casino Royale yeah that, but that's a scene in the book yes too. I know but and like so they made oh, reference to scene. it without showing the actual yeah know, but like testicular was that like a, a little nudge a nudge little, to the audience who had read Casino I Royale I think so I think so uh, I remember thinking that that torture scene though was a complete was a complete hodgepodge of WTF I mean yeah. where was that supposed to go how did he how did he get hold of him? I mean, at one point he's jumping into a race car where he magically has on uh, a, a race a race suit. One second he's wearing a tuxedo. Not as fast as me in my Lotus 3. In yeah. my Lotus Formula 3. It's probably because it was a director switch. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Or he had walked off when they didn't finish the car chase. Who knows? It's, it's, Do you think again, this is the biggest disparity between two films with the same name like in history of... Of all of film, like of all reasons. I don't know. I like the original 1946 uh, Happy Death Day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I think you're right. This has to be, right? I mean, it's crazy. It has to be. I can't think of. I mean, I know there are some movies that Wade and and uh, a guy named was it a guy named Joe? Is the, 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 they oh, yeah, apart from and, changing it from boxing to well, far and away. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Mr. Mr. There goes Mr. Jordan. That was the name. There goes. But Mr. we Jordan. just we're just talking about the same title. Yeah, like movies with the same title in the catalog, or even, oh, uh, but I even got one that for type you. of thing. Yeah, like um, Ghostbusters always, and always Ghostbusters and a guy named Joe. <laughs> Good point. Good point. No, but that's still the. It's both of still our comedies, comedies, and, and they're oh yeah, still that disparity is not. This is like, like this is the film that you know. You read the book, and you and, and I read the book as 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 a kid. In fact, I read it before. I think before, after I saw. The, the 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 Playboy pictorial and the preview. I actually read the book in sixth grade, mm. and that's and you must well, have I, been I like have you reading for fascinating. Grade. Was time this before or after seeing the movie? I had. I don't think. I think. I think I hadn't seen the movie yet. Wow! Because must not have been what you. Thought. I remember when I watched the movie, going apart from the the card game, this is nothing <laughs> like the book. The only thing I remember about the book was, of course, her dying, and and learning. In the sixth grade, the rules of baccarat. Yeah, I just and I kept practicing them with a the card because I went, "This is a really confusing game, but I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this game down. You know, I'm going to get my Orson Welles impression down and this fucking game." You've yeah. explained it to us, yeah. uh, and I understood it as good as I've ever understood it, yeah. and then completely forgot it, and then started watching this again, and I was like, "Wait, what's yeah, that mean? it's easy to forget." Batman, uh, the original Batman movie, Adam West one, and the 
the uh, Christopher Nolan ones probably close, but those are but both you had the too Tim, successful. You had the stopover no, in the yeah, Tim Burton yeah. world, yeah. which sort of bridges those two. It's those a little that, that, those aren't the same name. One's Batman. It doesn't begins. have to be the same name. Well, the same I idea. thought this was the game. No, not not that technically. Because then you got you know because then it would qualify the Michael Keaton one and the Adam West one. Yeah, but those I are don't sort think of those similar, are though. By comparison, far. though, those two those two pictures are a lot closer than yeah. they seemed at yeah. the time in nineteen. I know. Remember, the, you went, yeah. "Oh, this is so dark." Yeah, yeah. now but it's so campy. Like, add the Nolan dimension to it. Yeah, and yeah, eighty nine Batman is, is. I can't wait for the twenty twenty nine Batman. Right, which is just going to be a depressing. Could be Batman Beyond when Bruce has aged himself out of the suit exactly. and he has a young yeah. protege who's in the suit now. Mm-hmm. It's a great cartoon. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Batman Beyond fan over here. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. And with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, Audible has all the audio content you need to start your year on the right foot. For instance, did you know the Fleming James Bond novels are on Audible, including Casino Royal? Read by Dan Stevens, many people think might be a contender for the next James Bond. Live and Let Die. Read by Tanner from the new Daniel Craig films, Rory Kinnear. From Russia with Love. Read by Toby Stevens, the bad guy from Die Another Day. Moonraker. Read by Bill Nighy, the creepy guy from Love Actually. Diamonds Are Forever, read by another Bond contender, Damian Lewis, Octopussy, and The Living Daylights and Other Stories, read by another contender, Tom Hiddleston. So whether it's on your phone, through a car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can read tons of books while doing almost anything. And Audible even lets you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash bond or text bond to 500-500. That's audible.com slash bond or text bond to 500-500 for a 30-day trial and free first audiobook. All of that. Listen, the Batman animated series is the best that Batman's ever been. That's beside the point. The point here is Casino Royale and the magician Lashif, who, like, I also enjoyed his champagne trick where the cork balloon pops off, and then you're like, (laughs) wait, what just happened? I also enjoyed the fact that Orson Welles refused to remove the... um, tablecloth thing that he put over the lady it was always on his lap throughout the entire movie when they went to his torture room he had it on his That's lap like FDR, as but instead of polio it was yeah, just heavy like it's like just in case no i think it was just in case he wanted to levitate someone like he's <laughs> always ready to do it <laughs> place your hand madam and continue ascending into thin air well, there's, one, the there's one line in there, though, that I'm sure Paul Freese came in uh-huh. and, and looped because they couldn't get Orson back, where he goes, torture of the mind, Mr. Bond. And then you hear, the most exquisite torture is <laughs> all in the mind. And I was like, that's Paul Freese, because that's halfway to Toucan Sam. I mean, that's, that's it's, oh, wow. I feel like he, he, he looped that. I don't when know. When you were doing Orson Welles at 10 years old, and then you finally hit puberty, were you just like day by day going... I'm that much closer. I'm that much closer to Orson Welles. <laughs> Actually, I kind of dropped it. I didn't really pick up the Welles impression again until, like, New Year's of '84. Phil Proctor from the Fire Science Theater gave me a uh, 
gave me a tape of the of the famous frozen peas outtake. Oh yeah. And we worked on a job till like almost nine o'clock on New Year's Eve. It's like it was too late to go do anything. So he said, here, this will cheer you up. Because I'd missed my flight. I was supposed to go to New York that morning, but I took this job that took forever. Anyway, uh so that tape fascinated me. And hearing Wells in the act of as 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 uh, they used to say on Candy Camera, the act of being himself, I became fascinated with it. I, I First I thought, my God, he's so intimidated. I, I would be scared shitless of this guy if I was in the, the room. And, and he's so rude and so often. And then as I'm listening to it over and over again, I realize he's right and those two British directors are totally wrong. You don't tell Orson Welles how to read copy. You know, and, but, but I just, lines like, get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you. Give <laughs> me for my sink, so that's just stupid. In July. I'd love to know how you emphasize in and in July. Impossible. Meaningless. I memorized it the way you memorize a song. Like I yeah. just started paying attention to every little beat. <laughs> Even where he, you know, had stammers or his breathing where he ran out of breath. In the middle of a sentence, it still sounded right if he did it. You know, because uh-huh. you just, that was the beauty of Wells. You you got his Orson Wellesness no matter what you hired him for. There's a story within the animation world of a director starting to direct him as he's doing actually it was his last job. He Transformers. Transformers. And God rest his soul, Wally Burr started to give Orson like a little bit of a direction of his character, and he stops. He said, Wally, stop. <clears throat> Faster, slower, louder, softer. That's the only direction I take. And that was it. Wow. That was it. They got along famously from that point on because that's all, or you know, Wally got it, and that's all the only direction he gave him. Um, so yeah, for me, the Wells thing, I, I, I developed it later on in life, but it, it remained a fascinating voice to me, and still, it still does. I still think there's ways I can improve it. It's funny it's, how like he a, at this point he has aged into old Citizen Kane. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like the makeup and the like the huskiness the, of the it cane, all. He, the cane that he predicted, though, yeah, was slimmer. <laughs> I don't think he <laughs> a ever bit, saw a bit as an e- having an eating disorder. A bit. Um, I was, fa- you know, it the whole film. I'm just fascinated by the fact that people paid money to see this. I, I'm not because look at the star power. It's James Bond. They probably getting him in wasn't an issue, but keeping him in must have been a problem. Because I think they knew that they were. That I think the news that Connery had that you only live twice was going to be his last picture. It came out the same year, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. And I think the news that this is it, we've lost Connery. So here's your next taste of James Bond. Right. right here. Yeah. This is the future of James Bond. May have driven people to the theaters. I'm not sure. That's just a little theory that I it's, have. Uh, you know, it's interesting. And everything was about mod, yeah. In those days, and and, and, yeah. and spoofs were very, very in vogue. What's new, Pussycat? Um, uh, pictures like that. The Flint movies were very yeah. hot. Although the Flint movies were, I think they were more like little little arches of the eyebrow, homages, but they weren't quite as spoofy yeah. as this because less parody and more satire. Yeah, yeah. Coburn the Flint was so committed. Funny. Yeah, Coburn was so committed yeah. to playing. Oh, yeah. he, there was no archness to it. He just he yeah. played Derek Flint, and he meant it. And even though it was a lighter character, I thought it was a really great portrayal. We should do in like Flint, Armand Flint. Yeah, we really we should. Well, we're finally getting started with these movies. So yeah, maybe we will. Um, the whole idea though that this movie it, it even exists is so fascinating to me. Yeah. It's like, I can't think of what it, what's the film franchise now that is like, 
it'd be well i guess it's sort of like it would be like if there was a weird if it'd be like a harry potter movie or if yeah or if someone had purchased in 1980 the exclusive rights to one issue of the avengers yeah right right and could do something and could put out a movie yeah. that had more star power than the avengers age of ultron and could use every character in that film and did it but then was like you know what it's a comedy uh we're gonna put let's have five different directors do this right we'll it is get a strange we'll get, subgenre. It, but it was like but they went in and got stars but they got stars that were like so in this avengers movie it would be like Tom Hanks yeah. and uh, Jack Nicholson. It, like, it would be like stars where you're like, okay. Yeah. Tom Cruise as uh, Agent Colbert. Like, it's just it's like... a subgenre I'm curious to look at because I think you could also take like the Roger Corman um, Fantastic Four that they kind of made just to keep the rights. I have that movie at home. And then yeah. like just these movies that uh, exist outside of franchises that are of that franchise that, yeah. you know what I mean? Um. Oh, I I'm so curious that before the Casino Royale that you and I love yeah. so much to exist, this thing had to exist, and it had to kill all Casino Royale for what thirty, 30 years, years yeah. for the m- m- movie that became our favorite Bond film to exist. So forty years, forty years, Jesus. right? So our favorite Bond film doesn't exist without this probably the worst Bond film. Do you and yet and yet that Bond film and by the way it's 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 right up there for me too the the 2006 Casino Royale Casino Royal uh, Casino Royal yeah. <laughs> now now we in <laughs> oh were we just sharing a nice cognac up in the afterlife yes I was having a bath and a brass terrine filled uh, with. Yes. Cranberry vodka. You're both on yes. the James Bonding podcast right now. Thank you guys for being here. Oh. It's always a delight to travel from <laughs> the celestial. I flew in and chitty chitty bang bang. Oh, well, you know, Ian, I'm actually, we're just discussing a film that Orson uh, was in. I was lowered in. Transformers. <laughs> I love that film. No, it's not uh, Transformers. It's actually. It's actually Casino Royale. Oh, I thought Cass- it was Frozen Peas, the movie. <laughs> I love that one as well. Mm. I also loved you in uh, Paul Masson. Well, wh- what? Yes. <laughs> Paul Masson Strikes Back. Uh, <laughs> when you wrote the character of uh-huh, Bushy, the French champagne has long been celebrated f- for its excellence. There is a California champagne inspired by that same French excellence and like the best champagne, it's vintage dated and fermented in the cut. Actually, I'd like please. to now do a magic trick for you all. <laughs> She'll make this bottle of Booker's disappear. I can do that as well. I do most days, as well as 70 Chesterfield Turkish cigarettes. Chesterfields are delicious. I eat them. <laughs> These days, you know, I cut to the chase and just salt and eat. Right uh, in. Uh... Mr. Fleming, did you? Are you happy with the way Casino Royale turned out? Which one, there, dear boy? Uh, the one from nineteen, the one that Orson Welles. Did. Heavens, yes, that's what I was trying to get at with the novel, but uh, I was fell short. When I finally saw the film, I was just in love with it, and then, of course, they smeared it and tarnished it in two thousand 
Six. But you were happy with my participation, were you not, Ian? Dear boy, I couldn't have been happier. I should have had you out to Golden Eyes sometime out in Jammy Acre, and we could have put some cocoa butter on you and sizzled you up in the Jammy Acre sun. <laughs> that would have been lovely. I, I've never been sizzles in Jammy Acres. You simply haven't uh, lived. anywhere near Acme Acres, by chance? Absolutely. Sorry, Mr. Wells, did you read yes. Casino Royale before you took the part? Uh, no. Why would he? No, I, I, would, I, would, I don't read such tripe. <laughs> I didn't read it before I wrote it. That's true. That's very true. I read philosophy and, and, and cookbooks. <laughs> yes. What's your favorite thing to cook, Mr. Wells? My favorite thing, of course, is to cook rosebud frozen peas <laughs> full of country goodness and green penis. Oh, wait, I used that joke already in this podcast. With apologies to the, to the folks who made the critic. I don't know if you've ever had frozen peas, Mr. Fleming, but uh, they're out you of You know, way. I don't often have frozen food. I like eggs scrambled with green figs and yogurt. <laughs> I find if you put the frozen peas under your tongue and then imbibe some good French cognac and light with a Cuban cigar, it cooks them up deliciously. That actually kind I'm having of sounds, trouble breathing, right? right? Oh, <laughs> Mr. Wells, you... because I'm non-corporeal, but I still wheeze in the next life. So you're not living, but also having trouble staying alive. <laughs> yes, apparently I damaged myself that badly in the in the, in in the life. I thought of getting in the afterlife. Know. I'm having trouble breathing and keeping my cholesterol down. I've smoked so much that my lungs have become sort of like a volcanic rock, you know, very porous. So I can't keep anything in, including air. And when I drink, you know, in those films when someone's shot and they do a comic take where all the water spills out of them. Mm -hmm. It's like that with air. So there's a slight wheeze as I walk and I act as a sort of biological bellows that pushes the air out as I go. Listen. Like a pumice stone. Yes, I suppose. (laughs) Or Lufa. <laughs> I am. I am just so sad that uh, Matt Gorley, my co-host, who's that not, now? He's the uh, co-host. We do this podcast together. You've never uh, met him. I don't much like him. He's often out of the room when you're well, here. Well, that's why I don't like him. Seems to have an aversion to me. It's probably a lesbian. He- <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming down, Mister Fleming. Absolutely. I'm going to take my little little library. Um, ladder back to heaven you know the Wait, kind i thought you arrived in chitty chitty bang bang i did but it broke down as it's wont to do so i'm going to climb my little oaken library ladder that rolls along on wheels in my library when, Bye now. when you get up there get 17 or 18 people to pull up on the chain would you i i, I need to ascend as well i will thank you Anne. i know a whole squad of butch gals up there that barely speak to me because they know what? A squad of butch gals. squad of butch gals. Like a, like a pussy galore flying circus. You group. know, I was wrong about it down here, and up there I've really come to like those women. Mm. Well, I, they're, they're beautiful, and they're, they're just as good as everybody else, Mr. Rugby Fleming. players to the end. <laughs> I've got to go. I've said too much. So long, Mr. Fleming. Bye now. Matt, you, uh, you, you're out of toilet paper in the bathroom, by the way. Uh, oh. uh, wait. Now, guys, you're yeah. both... Not going to well, believe this. You're not going to believe this. Uh-huh. But Ian Fleming and Orson Welles were actually here. The two dead they, men? They 
They believe it or long not, since dead. Yes, they appeared. Uh, Orson was lowered uh, on with chains, and uh, Ian arrived on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and left. I, Orson had seventeen people pull him back up. You, oh. I he, like as soon as you guys left the room, they appeared. Matt, I'm truly worried about you. No, all. this is it's all on tape. Have you ever gone back and listened to those sections of the podcast? No. Well, I, I assure I'm you, very busy. No, yeah. Maurice, they're there. And if you you've heard me talk to Ian Fleming, right? Yeah, but yeah. Well, it happened again wow. while you were out of the room. All right, let's just get on with it. <laughs> that was more cohesion than yeah, this the entire actual movie. movie. Yes, That's true. yes. That's the, true. I, I mean, I assume that was true. I was. Why does uh, Sir James Bond have a stutter? And yeah, then loses it. and then lose it. He has a he stammer that it. he has in his real life, but when he's on the job as James Bond, he doesn't have it. He also like like how Sherlock Holmes doesn't need cocaine when he's on a case. <laughs> right. Yeah, but they they are kind of implying that Bond is celibate, like by his natural state, and doesn't really drink and stammers. Yes. But when he's on the job, that's not the case. But he it does also try, implies... He does try to steal look at Ursula Anders' breasts when yes, they're right. chatting on the, on the, on the precursor to the uh, Apple Watch. And... <laughs> but they also, the way he kisses Moneypenny and finds out it's his daughter, implies that he and Moneypenny, in this case, might really have actually had something going on. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> or they, in this world, that's how they always greeted each other. Maybe. Yeah. Um, listen, this movie's a mess. It's a fucking mess. Yeah. Can it's we a say fucking mess? mess? Yeah, we sure can. Okay. I enjoyed some, I would say probably a total of seven of the minutes that I watched. I enjoyed. Yeah, maybe seven. Say, yeah. Seven How long to is ten the big fight minutes? scene in, in Casino Royale? The big fight scene in real Casino in Royale? The, in, in this, in 67. Probably you're talking about six the, of the six of the seven minutes. You the were last doing. eighteen minutes of the movie right. is that what you're talking about? Star, the bit, cowboys, the blazing Indians, saddles. Yeah, uh, George Raft. You know, shooting his weird cameo. Gun. He must have just been there that day, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and they, Peter Sellers is in the. the uh, I mean, um, Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. Yes, as, right, right. As as a, a Scottish Highlander who gets who gets asked if he's Richard Burton. <laughs> no, no, asks. Ask Peter Sellers if he's Richard Burton. He goes, no, I'm Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole's standing right in front of me. He goes, no, I'm Peter O'Toole. And you're the finest man who's ever braved. I love that. I mean, yeah. those little moments make make the film worth watching yeah. for me. Those yeah. little comic asides. And again, the idea that the whole film is this British off. And, you know, there's so much in there that just that, that I that I do smile at, even even as they try to paste it together to make it make sense, which it can't. And yet the way the film ends, we're, we're, we're further enough. You think so? I think Not I, without Peter Sellers. If I had a little bit of uh, time, I could recut this movie mm. to make some sense. Like, and actually do chapters. I think it's worth watching, even though it's a bit of a slog to get through, because it's strange to see all of these ingredients that you recognize served up in a meal like this you know and it's worth it for that reason but uh, for me it's like a once every 15 years type of movie right. which I, I wouldn't say that about any of the other Bond movies I could watch them probably once a year at their worst you yeah know? yeah I, I, I will never see this movie again you think? I think so what about when we do the commentary? no then I'll see it again okay I mean there's no, that we can't do commentary for that yeah, we sure can do, we can do whatever we want I know but we still have to do Star Warsing. That's true. <laughs> um, so let's rate this film. Yeah, on, on a, a scale of what? 
Is this we're we're gonna use we the double well scale to our scale? Okay. I mean, they they do use 007 code name in this. They sure do. Everybody's 007. Yeah, yeah. Seven 007s. Uh, well, you know, for me, it's interesting. This movie gets a double O two. Well, wait, is, is, is triple O the lowest it could be? Yeah, it gets a double O one. Because there are some interesting yeah, things that are worth seeing once. I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to say 001. And I, I'm looking to Maurice to bring the average up there because I understand ranking something high as a personal Nostalgic favorite. situation, yeah. yeah. And and I will rank it higher than, than, than 001. But I, the, the, the fondness with which I remember it, I mean, the film... And I said this the last time, the film is of a time. You know, yeah. it's the 60s. It's a time I, I, I lived through. Did I mention I'm going to be 60 next week? Um, and, and so for me, it does, it does hold a nostalgic value. And I do remember uh, uh, films looking, you know, similar to this uh, at the time. I didn't know how good they could be. I was going to just mention really quickly that, you know, you were talking about how dissimilar it is from the, 2000, the 2006 Casino Royale. What about the the Barry Nelson version? The yeah, TV we haven't version, even talked about which that. is really close to. Or will you cover that in another? Well, I episode? think we will probably. Okay, do so I'll leave that alone. How long that? Yeah. How long is that? What's it's, the right oh, it's under an hour. hour yeah, under right? an hour because it had yeah. to fit in with yeah. com- with commercials into the season. That's really the probably schedule. the closest of any Casino Royale to the novel. It, it follows the novel yeah. and and uh, and 2006 Casino Royale follows it. But we'll, I'll leave that alone for the next time you you cover it. Um, the mess that this film is, the thing that the, the, the one thing I wanted to hit on though, the, uh, uh, the touch on, was that, um, and speaking of hitting on so much inappropriate sexual groping in this film, I mean, when, when, when the girl falls backwards uh, for the levitation trick, one of the two guys that catches her clearly gropes her breast oh, geez, I didn't before that. she's put on the levitation. He clearly has his hand on her breast as she goes back and then oh, Orson begins that. his levitation. Get your hand off that woman's breast, sir. But um, the fact that at the f- end of the film, and I, I'm spoiler alert for all of you who I know are rushing to it, the fact that everybody dies, yeah, to me, this makes a great existential comment on the whole of life because everybody in the film is a hero and yet at the end the, the everybody everybody you liked everybody you cared about everybody who you know you, you laughed at everybody whose mission you wanted to succeed such that you could figure it out uh-huh. is blown up <laughs> and it's like well that's life in its own way it's a brilliant film for saying that for just showing me that no matter what the fuck I do at the end I'm gonna be playing a harp with Woody Allen harp. I hope I hope, because I got a lot of questions for him in between strums. So I'll give it a 002. Wow, that's wow. even lower than I thought, maybe. I yeah. thought, okay, but that's fair but, and judicious. Know, because we're comparing it to, to Bond films. Yeah. As a, as, a, as a 60s spoofy kind of, you know, when's Red Skelton going to walk into this? Um, you know, I might give it a, a 004. Right. Or just because, because it's the type of film I remember. Yeah. But as a Bond film, yeah, double double O two, maybe but double O one and a half. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. It's wow. not a Bond film. Yeah, that's true. Well, speaking of Bond films, I wanted to just touch on Spectre for a second because um, Sean McCabe over at TimeToBond.com, which is a great website. In fact, he just did an article Guys, on it's Time to Bond. That's right. I follow he, him on on the Twitter. Yeah, me too. I do. 
uh, he just did an article on all the other double O's in the movies, which is great. He kind of like re- sets them up and tells oh, you exactly. Oh, that's very cool. Interesting. I wonder yeah. where he would get such an idea. <laughs> did we do it? I don't think we, we talked about did that. Ever well, well, we've talked about it. No, but, but I feel like yeah. we talked about it like about a month ago. The curiousness of like, I would love to see what, I would love to see a list of all the double O's that have appeared in the movies. Well, good for him for doing it. Does he, he, ta- does he touch on what well, I mean, they ever have another he... double O for? Huh? Do they touch on whether or not the number gets recycled once a, once an agent dies? They, there are, because 009 is used twice. Right. 00, uh, I think, uh, might be four. I can't remember. 009 is the octopusy bond and... and the Frank Sinatra um, bond. What? The Spectre. 009. Yes, that's yeah. right. And du- it's actually 002. He's the Living Daylights one, I think, and something else. I forget. But anyway... He was nice enough to send me some of the pages from the Logan draft of the Spectre script. And it has the scene where Bond gets tortured with the drill to the head was originally a Texas Hold'em scene where Oberhauser says, if I win, you both die. If you win, I'll let the girl go. Oh, thank God that changed. Somehow I'm pleased. Yeah, it doesn't quite work. But the thing that's interesting is, you know how when M confronts C at the end and he he takes his gun out of the thing? That was originally Bond confronting him and it was a nod back to the Casino Royale I know where you keep your gun sort of thing. And they do just say, um, leave you to think that C stands for something other than, what does M say it is? Careless. Careless, yeah. Um, So that was fascinating to me. And uh, also, we have new products in podswag.com slash bond. The Knickknack Tabasco shirt is officially for sale, as well as a replenishment of signed posters. And the, the uh, Pigeon Double Take and Canango Balloon t-shirts are there as well. Uh, vote with your shirt monies, everybody. Just, yeah. So Pigeon Double Take should probably... Sell a lot more. Than Doesn't Canango seem to below. be the case. Uh, and also, there's a Facebook group, I believe, now that a lovely listener has started. I think, I forget what it's called, but it's just James Bonding Facebook group, if you look it up. I don't know. I'm off Facebook again for a while. I can't take it. Understood. Yeah. I can't take it either. Yeah. Uh, so, I wanted to say that um, we saw the bagpipe machine gun in this movie. Yeah. And we're going to see it again next week. Oh, and the world right. is not enough. Yeah. I'm and looking forward to it. go to the Scottish Castle. Yeah. Uh, Maurice, do you have anything to promote? I've I've got a couple of things that I'd love to talk about, but I've got NDAs on them. Um, wow! Just just one last one last observation. You talk about the recycling of the of the uh, the bagpipe gun. The poison pen letter joke appears in this movie first. That's right. It yes, in the Roger Moore film, the, the, Roger the, the the Roger Moore Bond people stealing from Charles K. Feldman. <laughs> and not only that, it's in this film, but they call out what a tired joke. It what would a tired be. joke yeah. it is. It's <laughs> yeah. I love that they also called out Orson Welles, Le Chief, for doing his magic again with. You know the casino director going. Oh, he's he's winning and uh, doing magic tricks throughout. I love that. <laughs> I just love those. Love those little so moments. So funny. To um, me. I can I can talk about a disenchantment coming up this summer from Matt Groening, mm. and yours truly gets to play a, a rather Vincent Price esque oh. uh, prime minister of the kingdom. But I'm very excited to be a part of that. Um, and uh, uh, oh. Coming of the coming this Saturday, which means it will have passed by the time this is on the air. I am I've become part of the uh, My Little Pony universe. <gasps> uh, I know that'll thrill your listeners. It will. But I am actually a, a villain. I'm a villain oh in My, my Little God. Pony. 
Wow. So, yeah. What is your name? I play uh, uh, principal, headmaster naysay. <laughs> yes. And uh, we, we actually, uh, well, I can't go into too much. but uh, So that's, that's kind of fun. And I wish I could talk more about uh, anything uh, that I've been known for before that's coming back. Uh, but unfortunately, oh. I'm under an NDA. Not well, to... we'll have to have you back, and hopefully yeah. by then. Well, yeah, by then look, really, I've read the rumors, guys. Stay tuned. There's going to be some great things coming. Yeah, Matt, we will meet again. Oh, we're going to meet again. James Bonding will return. With... The world is enough. No, no, huh? not enough. We didn't. We did this movie. No, Matt, Let's you tried to movie. convince me. I think we did this. Wait. Movie. Should we pick another movie? Let's do Goldfinger again. Oh, no, okay. The world is not enough. Will. Everyone's favorite James Bond will return. So you think Logan's a good person? I do. Came here because I was running. Okay. Running from myself. Okay, but I'm not going to run again. I promise. Maybe he's good then. No, 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 no. I'm one of the good guys. Or maybe not. <laughs> Marvel and Stitcher present Wolverine The Long Night. Out now, only on Stitcher Premium. For one month free, go to wolverinepodcast.com and use promo code MARVEL. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit earwolf.com. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> ruler of the eighth circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 